Episode 825. Third round draft choice Montrevious Adams became the final Packers draft pick to sign his contract. And appropriately, it came before our defensive line preview. Our position by position series continues with John Gonzalez of VIP Fan Experiences. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Packers defensive line. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by John Gonzalez of VIP Fan Experiences. John, how are you this morning? I'm good, Brian. Thank you very much for having me on today. I've been a listener for a lot of years and followed what you guys have done with CHTV on a variety of media, and I always appreciate the insight you have to give. (laughs) Well, thank you very kindly, and thanks for joining us today. John, let's start with a description of VIP Fan Experiences Can you tell us more about it and what you do? Because you're based in Green Bay. We are. And indeed, VIP Fan Experiences is a Packers-centric ticket and accommodation package company that I started with three colleagues of mine several years ago. This idea came about as I was sitting in the DFW airport uh, around 5 a.m. in the morning following a (laughs) Packers-Cowboys game where the Packers had won, and I was listening to other fans converse about what they had paid for tickets in hotels, which tended to be some pretty astronomical rates. Uh, And so that led me to believe that I could do it better and cheaper and help them out. And so we formed an LLC, and over the next few years, we've become a real leader in this space and have sent fans from not just Green Bay, but all teams to all of the NFL stadiums. And we also do baseball, football, hockey, and we've developed a real niche with Canadian fans who've come down and we've helped them out as they might sometimes be a little bit less likely to, you know, use your standard travel methods. So we're excited about what we do. We enjoy helping the clients that we help. And I get to talk a lot of football with a lot of people. So it's a lot of fun. All right, well, let's get into this package you have planned for Packers fans this upcoming season at Pittsburgh. I truly believe some careful thought and rationale went into picking this game. Why Pittsburgh, John, and what's included in the package? Well, a couple of years ago, the it game that we noticed was in Denver. The Packers were down there. Tickets got out of control, and we weren't really prepared for that and weren't able to get anybody a special deal. Last year, as we had grown Quite a bit more, we realized the game was Nashville. People wanted to go down there, have a good time, do the honky-tonk thing and whatnot. And we were much, much more prepared. We sent a big group down there. And this year, we noticed the theme over the last four years that we've been doing this was uncommon opponents. People want to go to fun destinations and see the Packers in great venues that the team's not at all the time. Um, This year, obviously, one of those games is Dallas. But, you know, we're down there quite a bit. I said a few years ago I was there. We've obviously played down there in a huge game in the playoffs last year. And we rotate through there with uh, both of us being towards the top of our divisions. Now, Pittsburgh is obviously an AFC opponent that we only see on the road once every eight years. 
So with that in mind, we knew the tickets were going to go for a lot of money. We knew it was over a holiday weekend, which gave people the flexibility to kind of plan their trip out there after their turkey day. And we knew this was just going to be a hot game. So what we did here was we worked with the four-star Weston downtown in Pittsburgh and got a rate that's less than half of what rooms are going for on their website. And then I contacted the Steelers directly to work out a block of tickets in a VIP section on the suite level that we know that our fans are going to love. This is one way that we can sort of control a pseudo Packers section, even though we're obviously inviting Steelers fans to join us as well. The last thing that we did that we're really proud of is we've sent a lot of Steeler fans to Steeler games over the years, and we've used this Pittsburgh water limo uh, sailgate cruise, and the reviews have been phenomenal. It is a three-hour game day transportation and all-you-can-eat and drink buffet, including beer, wine, soda, and this year we're doing obviously uh, beer brats for because they asked us what the local fare would be, <laughs> and so all of that that we're doing sets up for a really fun trip that's going to be. We've chartered that boat out, and it's going to be a really fun trip that we've made a day out of. We even got a whiskey company. Uh, right near the marina where this boat takes off to give us a private tour for our group that includes cocktails and all that. And with this being a night game, you know, we've got all day to kill in Pittsburgh. We wanted to make sure that our group really didn't have to lift a finger. And we were able to do all of this for $940, which comes out to a great value given the prices that these things are going for. So it's something that we're excited about, something that I really wanted to come on and tell your listeners because this is four Packers fans, you know, the four of us that own the company are going to be there with families and whatnot, because this is a game I wanted to go to. I've never been to Heinz Field, so we're really excited. Yeah, I think it is really cool. I mean, it's obviously not cheap, but this is also, I think, an opportunity for kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a lot of people to go with friends and family. And uh, John, we're going to talk defensive line here, but finally, where can fans go to find out more information and book this trip? Not a problem. Uh, our website is www.vipfanexperiences.com. And on there, there's a banner that links to a detailed package page on this. If you want more information from me directly, I'm always available to take a call at 800-281-3276, extension 701. And if you do get my voicemail, I always return those calls right away. So we hope to hear from anyone and everyone. We can answer any questions that uh, we didn't go over in, in the interview here. Very cool. All right. Being based in Green Bay, John also has his finger on the pulse of the team and is going to help us continue our position-by-position position preview series focusing on the defensive line. John, Mike Daniels recently came in at number 84 on the NFL Network's Top 100 Players of 2017 after being ranked number 95 the previous year. So my question to you, does Mike Daniels still have room to move up that list or has he reached his apex now as a veteran? Well, if we're talking strictly about NFL player voting on the top 100 players, I would start with the comment that even if 84 was his ceiling, we're talking about an extremely valuable player for a guy that was drafted in the third round a few years ago. Um, with that in mind, I watched this and I remember who some of the guys ranked ahead of him are. You know, at the very top of that list is Aaron Donald, who is, you know, been playing lights out for the Rams for a couple years now, and he's only 26. And behind him is Fletcher Cox, somewhere in the 30s. 
another really young guy. But I do know that when I was paying attention to this, that the two guys ranked directly ahead of Daniels are Ndamukong Su, a little older, and Geno Atkins. And I think that if you got Daniels into the 60s by elevating the play of some of the other guys that I'm sure you're going to ask me about here, you know, your Kenny Clarks, your Dean Lowry's, you mentioned Montrevious Adams in the opener, that he could definitely be seen by his peers as some guy that's such a leader that you know, get into the 60s next year, like a Geno Atkins, who I think is either 29 or 30 now, and is always a, a guy that we look at when we talk defensive line as kind of a marquee type guy, which would be absolutely phenomenal for Daniels. He's just been a great player for us. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where sometimes, you know, defensive line isn't considered a premium position by some, and quarterbacks are maybe overrated to an extent on a list like this. So maybe it's not always the most accurate reflection of his worth. Um, but if we're continuing talking about other players here, what, what, John, what are your expectations for last year's first round pick, Kenny Clark, now in his second year in Green Bay? Clark is a player that I'm really fond of, Brian. I know that a lot of people in my Packers circle kind of scoffed at this pick, uh, probably out of association bias to some bad years that we got when we were trying to put Detone Jones out on the edge. But I know that I liked it at the time because, you know, we had had the, the, the sabbatical from BJ Raji and really needed some more beef in that middle. And Kenny Clark was a guy that really came on last year towards the end of the season um, and into the playoffs. I remember I went down to Atlanta and suffered through that, but he was definitely a guy that even from the stands you could see was out there. And, you know, I know he had a couple forced fumbles last year and he was sort of a guy that flashed playmaker to me. And I think he's a guy that really steps forward and he lets Daniels that we talked about before have an even better year by taking up some blocking and, you know, really helps this group come together. He's somebody I know that the Packers are going to rely on because, you know, we've lost some guys now. Yeah, I, I expect big things from Kenny Clark uh, in the years ahead, and uh, in, in, in not including 2017 alone. Um, but elsewhere on the defensive line, John, last week, LaTroy Guyon was arrested for a DUI in Hawaii, one of many in a long line of incidents involving the Packers defensive linemen. I think many people are wondering, do you think the Packers stand by him or part ways with him at some point here? It seems pretty hard to talk about Latroy Guyon without memories of Johnny Jolly, doesn't it, Brian? I mean, a couple troubled guys, right? Absolutely. But I think as we saw with Jolly, you know, the Packers do like to stand by their players. However, ultimately, when you analyze the defensive line as a group, I just don't see how the Packers can stick with him here after this list of incidents. You know, culminating last week with telling a police officer that he only drinks the hard stuff as he's falling down and slurring his words, that just doesn't scream Packer person for me anymore, even though a little bit of that term has lost some of what it used to, you know, mean to the organization a little bit because it seems like everybody's getting in some kind of trouble. But, um, you know, that's long-winded intro to this, but maybe if he weren't suspended for four games already due to something else, and this was his first brush of the law, but, you know, with all the things that have happened, I, I think he's gone. With, uh, you know, the Packers having a possible replacement for him from the draft and Adams and reaching into undrafted free agency for a very similar player in Ricky Jean-Francois, I just don't see any way that, you know, we see him suiting up game five or whatever additional suspension there is when that ends for the Packers. 
Yeah, I wonder if and when this this move is coming. I mean, they they've it's, it's now been a week, almost two weeks since this happened. Is are they going to release him, and if so, when are they just going to continue to carry him on the roster? Uh, I guess time will tell. Um, but whether or not Guyon is released, uh, he is suspended for the first four games of the season. John, does that open the door for a rookie like Montrevious Adams, who just signed his contract on Wednesday? I alluded to Adams a couple minutes ago when we were talking about Kenny Clark. Uh, but I think Adams is another guy people rolled their eyes at. I know I did a little bit on draft day. I didn't read your preview on him, Brian, so I am not familiar with what you wrote up about him. But I know that I texted my buddy the words Justin Harrell 2.0 after that happened, and he wrote me back thinking the same thing. I want to go into this with an open mind, of course, but it's it's kind of hard. You know, rookies are on a wage scale now, and this guy was the last third-rounder to sign. I mean, you know, the door is wide open with everything we talked about with Guy on here, and I really hope we see some major flashes in camp because the limited information that we have right now just kind of, you know, screams preliminary bust. And I hope that I'm doing that association bias thing that I talked about that other people did when Kenny Clark was drafted. But, you know, I, I just keep having these nightmare flashbacks to Justin Harrell, even though the comparison isn't completely accurate given the disparity and where the two guys were drafted. Yeah, Adams is a third rounder compared to Harrell, who was a first rounder. And Harrell did have a previous injury history coming in, whereas Adams doesn't. So that kind of works in his favor, at least. Uh, but how big of a role, John, will free agent acquisition Ricky Jean-Francois play with the Packers this season? I mentioned him briefly in the Guyon analysis, and I think that this is the guy that we're really looking at, at least in the short term, to fill a lot of that void, assuming we've seen him play his last game as a Packer. You know, having watched Ricky play with a couple of other teams at this point, he's never screamed game changer, but playing with this group, led by Daniels and the blockers that he eats up and what we're expecting out of Kenny Clark. And, you know, when these guys are rotating and wearing out the offensive lines, I think he can easily have as solid, if not better as any of the seasons that Guyon has put up for the Packers. And, you know, a couple guys that we got from other teams, you know, Guyon had some good years for us, I think, eating up the run and whatnot. So Francois, in a similar vein, is, is versatile. He's played all the defensive line positions in his career. He's a strong guy. And as far as I know, although he is another guy that likes to speak his mind a little bit, I don't know of any arrests or known character problems with him. Do you, Brian? Not to my knowledge. So... You know, with that in mind, after we've added Martellus Bennett to the tight end group and now Ricky, who I know is an outspoken guy, gives us a little bit more character as a team. And I don't think for a team with a lot of young guys like we always have that that is necessarily a bad thing. And I think this was a good, you know, cost effective way to fill the void immediately, you know, while we kind of hedge and see what we've got with Montrevious Adams. I think he's going to play a really big role um, this year as far as the defensive line and as a group. Yeah, and maybe allowing Montrevious Adams to develop as a young player, he can play, a, a, Francois can play a bigger role early on. Uh, but given the adage, John, that teams are always one injury away from trouble, how do you feel about the depth of this group as a whole? 
I think right now that we've got a lot of versatile players in this position group. You know, we just talked about Francois and how he's played every defensive line position there is in his career. And we've got a lot of other guys here. You know, we've barely even touched on Dean Lowry. If I don't even know if I mentioned his name, but he's another big guy that we've got. And I just really think overall that this group has as much potential as any other non-safety group on the defense. You know, the safeties are so versatile and we've got another new one, you know, in camp this year. And, uh, you know, in a similar vein, this defensive line group can do a lot of different things. And I think that's not only a positive, but has truly been a hallmark of these really good Packer teams that we've seen in this Ted Thompson era. So finally, you know, looking deeper at the depth chart, John, is there anyone on the 90-man roster our listeners might not know that you could think about that might surprise us and see some snaps later in this year? Well, we've got two guys. One guy that was stashed on the practice squad all year last year was Brian Price, and we did sign an undrafted free agent named Isa Lunsford. I don't know a whole ton about either Price or Lunsford, but what I do know a bit about from meeting him was we also have Christian Ringo, who spent some time both up and on the practice squad last year. And I know that the coaching staff has indicated in a multitude of interviews that this guy's got a good work ethic. As I said, I met him a couple years ago and I was with my young son and, you know, he took the time to talk about us, seemed genuinely thrilled to be a Packer. And that doesn't necessarily translate to the field, but, you know, given the things that the coaches have said, this might be a guy who's ready to step into a bit bigger role, Brian. Yeah. Entering his third year in the NFL, hopefully takes another step in his development, but John, thank you for so much today for taking the time to talk to us, previewing the defensive line and, and letting our listeners know about the package you're doing with VIP fan experiences. Great to hear from somebody in Green Bay, knowledgeable and versed uh, about the team. And uh, good luck with your ventures, and uh, um, we'll do it again sometime. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, player development and and scouting and whatnot on an amateur basis is something I really enjoy doing. So it's always a thrill to kind of come on and, you know, give my two cents, you know, for whatever it's worth, which is probably less than two, but in any event, at least (laughs) get the chance to talk Packers because it's a lot of fun. That's why we do this podcast. Thanks, John. Take care. You too. Bye. John Gonzalez of VIP Fan Experiences joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. Rookie defensive lineman Montrevious Adams became the final member of the 2017 Green Bay Packers draft class to sign his contract. The team announced on Wednesday. Adams was also the final third-round choice in the entire NFL to sign his contract and the lowest-drafted player remaining to get his deal done. At the time his deal was announced, there were only eight draft choices in the league still waiting for deals to get done less than a month before training camp opens. All of them drafted higher than Adams, and all but one of them being first-round picks. So why did it take so long for a deal to get done with Adams? I can only speculate, seeing as nothing has been published in the media on that matter. But I do know that Adams recently became a father shortly before the NFL draft, 
perhaps pushing his contract out of the way until after minicamp allowed him to focus on football and not have to worry about his contract in the early going. Although in today's day and age when rookie the rookie wage scale is in place in the NFL, it's not a big deal 99% of the times for players to get their deals done whenever they get done and it's just basically not uh you know a non-starter that you know it's there's no controversy it's it's basically done and there's a few small things that they can negotiate but really nothing that's going to get in the way of anything uh so probably not a big deal either way terms of the deal were not immediately available but thanks to the rookie pool estimates at overthecap.com we have a pretty clear idea of the money Adams will get his four-year deal will have a total value of $3.145 million, including a signing bonus of $745,000. So that's a pretty nice payday on Wednesday that he got. Um, in 2017, his rookie year, Adams will have a base salary of $651,000 that will increase by $900,000 each of his first four years in the league. So there you go. The Packers have all their draft picks in the fold, and now Adams can go about beginning his development in terms of, you know, trying to carve out some some playing time on this Packers defensive line that all of a sudden is looking fairly deep. Um, and, and I would say, in you know, in the early going, it's going to be tough for Adams to find playing time Early on, as a third-round draft choice, I certainly think he's going to be carried on the 53-man roster, but he may perhaps even in the early going be one of those guys who's kind of on the game-day inactive list. I mean, certainly, things could change. He could bust out, but we just have to wait to see until training camp happens. Um, There could be an injury that opens the door for him. These kind of things you never know. But, I mean, with Mike Daniels ahead of him, with Kenny Clark, a former first-round draft pick, entering his second year in the NFL ahead of him, with Ricky Jean-Francois, the the free agent acquisition ahead of him, even Dean Lowry, who is more of your base, you, you know, 3-4 defensive end. Uh, but that's not to say he can't play other positions. But he enters his second year in the NFL, at least early on. He might be ahead of him. Uh, if the Packers need uh, extra defensive linemen. You know, the Packers have options, and, and they even do have, in still for the time being, in their back pocket, LaTroy Guyon after he comes off from suspension. Uh, whether or not that changes, we'll see. But, yeah, Adams has got a ways to go, but I do like uh, his potential. You, you know, I kind of you know thought at first, when the Packers took him in the third round, my my instinct was like, well, nothing against Adams. That might be a little early for him, and though in the NFL draft. But the more I, I, I you know, thought about it, read about it, you know, saw highlights of Adams and and things like that, the more it made sense to me. It just you know what the, his potential could be. You know, just going back and looking at his his year at Auburn, his senior year, and he seemed to get better. Uh, all the time at Auburn, or I, I shouldn't say that, you know, necessarily, but he really had a standout, you know, senior year at Auburn in which he played really well, and he went to the Senior Bowl and really played well there. And if you saw the 
the, you know, you could watch practice on the NFL network if you weren't there in person and you could see that for yourself. I, I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Montrevious Adams and he's relatively young. Uh, he graduated or, you know, he completed his college eligibility in just four years, didn't redshirt or anything like that. So there's a lot of growth development there and a lot of things to like. But, yeah, he was kind of the big news as just Wednesday getting his deal done. In other Packers news and probably, you know, a little bit minor and a little bit off the radar, as of Wednesday, uh, Aaron Rodgers moved to the finals of the ESPYs Play of the Year voting not just Rodgers, but also former Packers tight end Jared Cook as they hooked up for the fourth down connection in the divisional round playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys that set up the game-winning field goal. And what a play that was. I'm sure if you're a Packers fan, you remember that very, uh, you know, uh, it's that's not something you forget about. Uh, and it really was a good play. And we had heard, you know, this prior that this was a candidate uh, for play of the year. And they're kind of doing online voting to determine the winner. And, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, say what you want about the ESPYs. It's kind of a self-serving promotional thing. But at least it is fun. Uh, and it does attempt to kind of compare apples and oranges in terms of it, it's not just the NFL play of the year. It compares all sports. And, you know, there's some NCAA basketball uh, games in there that, you know, it's it's going up against and plays like that. So, I mean, if you're just looking at it for, for fun and, and trying to, you know, put it in that perspective, it, it is what it is. And anyway, so it moved on Wednesday to the final round and, and the winner will be revealed July 12th. So next week, uh, when the ESPYs air, we'll see if Aaron Rodgers can come away uh, with uh, uh, the play of the year in the world of sports as determined by ESPN voters. So there you go. And that brings us to our next segment. The day ahead. All right. On Saturday, July 8th, Packers defensive lineman Mike Daniels will host his inaugural youth football camp in his hometown of Blackwood, New Jersey. Daniels had previously hosted a youth football camp in the Green Bay area, uh, but during the offseason, he's gone back to give back to his home community where he grew up. Uh, and he'll be joined by some Packers teammates, according to EAG Sports Management that represents Daniels. He'll be joined by offensive lineman Jari Evans, who also grew up in the area, and quarterback Joe Callahan, in addition to several other NFL players who will also be appearing. Uh, I saw Mohamed Sanu was on the list, among a few others as well. Uh, you may have heard or seen Daniels appear on a local Philadelphia radio station on Thursday promoting the event. I know that was kind of trending on Packers Twitter uh, on, on Thursday. Uh, last I saw, the camp was filled to capacity. Uh, so, unfortunately, if you lived in the area and had a kid that wanted to go, I don't think that's a possibility. But 
uh, from a you know opinionated perspective here. Uh, it is just nice to see Daniels, you know, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, give back to his community and, and joined by a couple of his teammates helping him out. You know, that only figures to help you know the Packers from a team bonding perspective, especially during a time of year where there's no official team activities or anything like that going on. So. That's really cool at a time of year when I don't have a whole lot of other Packers news to share. So a youth football camp is as much as I've got right now. Uh, But also one final reminder, um, Sunday, uh, so July 9th, is the final day for discounted registration for the Packers 5K race that they always hold at Lambeau Field in and around Lambeau Field. Uh, as training camp is just about to start, it's held on the same day that the Packers Hall of Fame ceremony is being held in July here. Um, so if you're interested in, in signing up for that, and you know hundreds of people do it every year, um, you know do it before Sunday or by Sunday uh, because it's the last day for discount registration. That's not to say you couldn't sign up later; you just won't be able to do so as cheaply as you can right now. So. That's as much as I got on the Packers calendar coming up, and that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to John Gonzalez of VIP Fan Experiences for being our guest on the show, and we'll be back again continuing our Packers position-by-position preview series on Monday, talking about the Packers secondary, so you can look forward to that. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. I leave you today with a song called Susanna by 30 Decibels on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Twice it will.